Welcome, ladies and germs, to Kingdom Hearts by Heart. Oh wait, that's not Kevin. I hear your inner voice crying out in pain. No, uh, I have not voted Kevin off the island as of yet. Uh, but while we're in between currently a two and the anniversary event slash uh, 3.58 over two days, I hate myself already, uh, we don't want to completely radio silent. So during our break between games, you're going to be introduced to a working title. And by that I mean I've already decided on the title, but I'm nervous about everything. This could change at any moment, but for now, they are blank points. Uh, where every so often we will diverge into short slash shorter form content around Cage. That's not probably as long as our regular episodes. That is all up in the air right now. Uh, but these episodes are just meant to, you know, we're going to throw caution to the wind. We're going to try something new. We're going to see what people hate. And perhaps sometimes what people like. Uh, I am your part-time human, uh, but full-time gummy engineer, uh, Marshall. And today, I have a very special guest uh, playing the role of my crash test dummy. Uh, a human individual uh, with 1.7 thousand followers on Twitch. And the face of the Kingdom Hearts community. I can't say that with a straight face. Uh, say hello to Skyquake, everybody. Hello! Thank you for having me. It is wonderful to be your new permanent co-host here. Uh, Kevin who, I've been saying. Uh, uh, it's good to be here. Uh, thank you for having me. I Unfortunately, if I had to pick a first guess, I knew, I knew, I knew, I knew it, would be, it, would, it would be you. For, again, for better and for worse. Oh, thanks, buddy. Uh, as, again, as the I face think. of the Kingdom Hearts Twitch community. <gasps> That's me. Okay. And Self-proclaimed. And if I didn't get that one... Yes, exactly. I was about to say, if I didn't get that one in-joke in, uh, the fandom would be up in arms. Because mm-hmm. I feel like, have you played every playable Kingdom Hearts game on 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 stream? I have, yes. I've gone yes. through every single game a few times. Some I will replay more than others that I like more, uh, excluding, you know, like Chain of Memories. I may skip that one a few times, but I have gone through the entire series a few times on stream it, it was a yearly thing for a while but we've kind yeah. of backed off of that but yes yeah i'm having having f- uh, unfortunate flashbacks to a lot of those mm-hmm. oh uh, yeah but i was like i was like i was like never like nick at least has gone through every game once on stream which that should totally uh, be fine but, 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 but before we delve into that uh one thing i've always wanted to do but kevin's like no and by that i mean we should probably stay on track and it's Honestly, a feasible thing. Well, mm-hmm. we we actually for a lot of KH one, we did Game Corner, which is just like, what are you currently playing? Uh, would you recommend it to somebody? If if well, if so, who? So you know, screw it. We're, we're bringing back Game Corner. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, well, also, when we started to do Disney Corner, which is you know, if it's Disney World and the, it's the first time in a game, let's watch whatever medium it's from and mm-hmm. judge that. We haven't done that since. Halfway through Kingdom Hearts 2, because after Space Parrot, after watching 1980s to 1982's Tron, I had a conniption, and also that's that's obviously the end of the Disney content so right. far. And for a while, probably, because the handheld games, once we get to Birth by Sleep, we'll tread new ground. But for 358, I don't think we'll have any Disney Corner, because we just revisit existing worlds. Mm-hmm. So Did Tron uh, not hold up? Oh, why don't you go back to watch 1982? I so I never very quickly, and if you've listened to Tron episode, you under, you understand where I'm coming from. Uh, I had never seen Tron at all. I just knew I liked Space Paranoids and Cage Two, mm-hmm. and seeing 
Tron has not aged well, uh, I think, personally. Uh, it's a little primitive, especially because we're in uh, the, the Lord's year of 2022. So a lot of, a lot of the sci-fi medium that came out in the last half of the of the 20th century is a little in some regards a little redundant because they're like in the year of 2010 and i'm like yep that 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 happened that year has passed right in actual reality <laughs> basically um, when we watch old movies it's like oh we'll have flying cars by 1996 it's like no i'm sorry exactly. to break that to you tron <laughs> i've never oh, seen the movie yeah. And so, like, when they're in the digital world, they're, like, clothes are, you, you look at, I think I think you look at Tron, in Cage 2, for example, he's all, like, he's hard shell. Whereas in the movie, they we have weird, like, yoga, they were togas, basically. And I remember like, that. Yes, yeah. are inside the computer. And I'm like, but you're wearing people clothes. But you're, but you data. What's, what's going yeah. on here? Because I remember um, seeing stuff from Tron 1, but I never actually watched the movie. But I just remember my first experience was Kingdom Hearts. And then when I went and at least just saw screenshots of the movie, I'm like, this looks like a low budget high school film. Like, just because yes. I had an expectation <laughs> of what the costume design would look like. And I'm sure exactly. they were creating yeah. a world. They like knew what they were doing back then and obviously they took some creative liberties with the kingdom hearts world but i noticed that vast <laughs> difference that you're talking about too yeah i think i if you go back to that episode i reference it might be this and one other movie that at the time in the early 80s were you know the first one or two movies that were a majority you know cgi at the time so mm -hmm. it was definitely you know sticking it was it was it was the first stepping stone that got to where we are now so i can't deny its legacy but I can make fun of the movie, right? Uh, and at this point, I cannot. I can't say Tron if I if I talk about the film. I have to say oh, 1982's Tron uh, because I have watched the movie and I, I've earned that right. I've sat through the pain. Uh, it was one of the harder movies to, unfortunately, to get through. <laughs> so far, we're uh, we'll, we'll see if that ladder. We'll see if the bottom rung of the ladder gets any lower as but we get through the rest of Kingdom Hearts. The second movie has Daft Punk. The second movie does have Daft Punk. Uh, that's, that's not kind of the only reason I saw the movie or knew about the movie. Yeah. Um, it was funny. So uh, both of us has, have seen uh, two th I'm just going to continue this bit now. Uh, 2022's The Batman, a movie I enjoyed very, 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 very good. Yeah. And what was it? I forgot where this bit is going. Uh, oh, wait, wait. So someone mentioned, is this better than The Dark Knight? And... I, I was retelling the fact that I did not know The Dark Knight was a Batman movie upon release. Oh. I didn't know about Batman Begins whatsoever. And uh, where I grew up, the marketing that doesn't really exist for big franchise movies. You kind of have to, like, word of mouth is the only way it gets around. Mm -hmm. And the only, I think the only thing I had seen was, as a kid, like, walking by the theater, a kid, like, you know, a teenager, I'd seen the, the buildings with, like, the, the Batman symbol, like, emblazoned in fire and i was like oh boy that would be a cool batman movie not realizing it was actually a batman movie uh because i was a dumb teenager that's crazy i have a very similar story like that we'll get to game okay. corner in a second i know we exactly. want to get on track but i had the same thing where i went to go see uh the dark knight without knowing batman begins existed it was oh. i went on a date and all i knew was oh yeah it's a batman movie but i haven't really cared about batman since i was four and so yes. I was like, I don't, I don't know anything about this. I'm just going to go in with zero expectations. And then I saw 
Batman. I was like, oh, oh, okay, he looks really cool. I saw Two Face, and I had flashbacks to when I was a kid of like watching cartoons with Two Face, and it all just yep. came flooding back to me. And I was so happy leaving it. I'm like, I'm so glad my expectations were almost non-existent because it just blew me away in high school when I saw that. Nice. Yeah, I can't believe you left your date at the movie theater. That's crazy. I know. Yeah, uh, she wasn't appreciating it as much as I was, and I'm like, all right, oh. see ya. Damn. It'd be like that though. She might still be there. Who oh. <laughs> will never know. No. We don't care enough to go check. <laughs> but I guess, and I'll throw it to you for the Game Corner Revival. Is there anything recently you've been playing that you love and, or something you would like to recommend to the listening audience? Um, I'd say I have a couple of games that I've been kind of bouncing back and forth from. The first one, obviously, is Elden Ring. That just came out a couple of days ago, and I've yep. already sunk about 25 30 hours into that game and so that is just wonderful i played bloodborne before but i quit dark souls very early on because i couldn't Ooh. i couldn't handle it and so this was a risky purchase to grab elden ring but i'm really enjoying it it does feel like kind of skyrim with dragons that doesn't really work uh <laughs> oh. but uh it feels like a skyrim but very very difficult and i'm liking that a lot mm. But I think my biggest recommendation that I'd want to focus on and really like get out there is Risk of Rain 2. I uh, knew this was coming. Of I'm course. So you mentioned Risk of Rain. Yeah, we have played Risk of Rain quite a bit. And so with that, the new expansion just came out. And it was my game of the year in 2019. For anyone who doesn't know, it's a small indie game. It's a four-player roguelike where all you do is you're collecting items, you're defeating waves of enemies, and normally anytime you get an item it would be like oh plus five percent attack speed with this item that would be it but there's no cap on how many of that item you can get so you can just become yes. a god so you can get a hundred items that boost your attack speed and you are just a railgun when you shouldn't be or you can get a, a feather that makes you or gives you an extra jump and you can get 20 of those so you can jump to the point where you hit the skybox and the game's like oh all right you're too far and you have to get teleported back down to the map there's no <laughs> limit on that and that's where the craziness comes in and so risk of rain 2 oh, wow. is very very good it is the best with friends and that is kind yes. of what i've been hooked on for the past three years that that sounds about right i, I feel like every time i might have mentioned this on the, the last time i played risk on stream and that is that I don't play Risk of Rain, Rain alone. It's just always with friends. Yeah. So uh, it's it's a wonderful game to play with, with or without people. I feel like our mutual friend Dave. Dave's like, I've played most of my games solo. I'm like, well, Dave, you hate people. So understandable. <laughs> but, and, we love and, Dave. And, and valid. Yes. Um, Risk of Rain 2 is good solo when you just want to turn your brain off and maybe throw a show on in the background. And you just want to... Mm -hmm pew pew things like yes. throw on risk of rain 2 and throw a show on and you'll have a fun time and you'll realize three hours went by but with yeah. friends it is like so funny it seems like every single time we boot it up together like we always say man this game is so fun why don't we play this more and we always are just like laughing our asses off it's always such a good time with co-op and that is how i absolutely recommend it is with anywhere from two yes. to two to four friends yeah because even if you suck you get to suck together exactly uh, I feel like some of our more tense and funny moments have been co-op and when people fail. I think last time we played, uh, we so the, the DLC recently dropped, so everything's a lot harder, and so you died constantly, and mm -hmm. so we were running around screaming with our heads, uh, just up our butts. There was one <laughs> time, I, I forget if it was Shrine of the Mountain, 
or whatever, but it was, uh, I think it was like usual, you, me, Emily, and Dave, and I was fighting the Wandering Vagrant, like a few of them by myself, you had all had died, and uh, what was it? Oh, it dropped, it, it, it was Shrine of the Mountain, because it dropped eight items as opposed to four, I think. And so I got eight, like, Will of the Wisps, like, all, all to oh, myself. Oh, yeah. And then I destroyed one thing, and it sent out a fiery shockwave that blew up half the map. And I was like, game fun. <laughs> Game's so fun. And uh, yeah. having those crazy builds of just, like, stacking one thing where you light your enemies on fire or you have, like, an, an icy aura where if enemies come within 10 feet of you, they're frozen. Like, mm -hmm. just expanding on that and having all of the items work on top of each other is just so crazy where every game feels different. And, like, I'm thinking back to, like, some of the crazy times we have, too. I know that there's a clip of me, you, I think Dave, and one of my Twitch mods playing. And they, every, like, four or five levels, there's going to be a special golden chest where it's very expensive, but you get the highest rarity item. And so it's yes. best to either, like, save it for the end of the level when everyone has a ton of money and before leaving and entering the teleporter to go on to the next level. And as you were beelining it to the chest, just out of muscle memory, I ran and hit the teleporter. Oh, and so yeah. it refunded all of our money into experience and we blipped out of existence before you could get your item that you worked the entire level for. Oh. And I'm not sorry. Well, that's the end of the show. Thanks for coming. <laughs> God. Oh, I, yep. I'm having flashbacks to that right now. Thank you for this. Yeah, of course. <laughs> ay, ay. Everyone should play Risk of Rain 2. Play Risk of Rain 2. Exactly. It's very cheap. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll try to keep mine brief. And eh, it's probably the only time I'm going to be able to mention this within relevance. So I will say uh, I've been enjoying the absolute hell out of Pokemon Legends Arceus. So good. Yeah. My, my, so my, my begrudging thoughts... Uh, that I had just now was that uh, Pokemon, whether we want it or not, and I don't want it, and I'm terrified, uh, they announced Pokemon Scarlet and Violet, which is the next generation. It's obviously adapting elements from RCS to be like, people like this. Well, what if we had more? And I, I've been screaming at a bunch of people, but I just wanted to vibe the entire year with RCS. This came out, we're obviously we're recording in March. RCS came out two months ago in like the end of january i just wanted to middle of january whatever i wanted to vibe with this game and i i'm at the point where i must now seek out all pokemon which i'm totally fine with mm -hmm. it's been a blast so far um okay i was gonna ask why you were so hesitant about gen 9 this is the first time hearing that you were hesitant about that but that totally makes sense that like every game has seemed to have at least six months just on its own. Uh, I'm yeah. more thinking when I say at least six months with Let's Go Pikachu and Eevee. That was very contained, but not for too long. It didn't overstay its welcome because it didn't have any DLC or anything. It was just, it lived yep. for a little while before we even moved on to something else. But yeah, yeah. it was less than two months before we realized, oh, okay, there's going to be something to look forward to after Arceus. Don't get too invested. Mm -hmm. That's why... I don't know. I feel like uh, people who are in and out of the Pokemon fandom will pick and choose what games they want to pick up. Mm -hmm. So I, I obviously we cannot recommend Scarlet and Violet because we know absolutely Jack Diddley Squat nothing the starters and yep. what what the region is going to look like and some vague details. So we can't really recommend that. But I, I my my fear is that they're going to be too similar, 
And like, why did I play Arceus? I could have just waited until Scarlet and Violet came out to a degree. But it's funny because I, as I talk more about it, I can see the differences. I can see the two thought bubbles slowly sliding away from each other and being like, I know they're going to be distinct, but my, I don't know, I feel like it may be too much of a good thing because we got, between getting Brilliant Diamond, Shining Pearl in November of last year, and getting Arceus two and a half months later, I was like, that's kind of a, a very small window. And I'm one of few people, my few, I mean, probably a good few million who have played Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl. Maybe a small number that have beaten Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl. Um, but also Gen 4 is my favorite. So getting two, four, two Gen 4 games, I am not going to complain anytime soon. But I will complain about the future because it makes me scared. <laughs> I think that with the new game scarlet and violet coming out uh just from the three minute trailer that we have in three like half of that is not even gameplay the mm -hmm. settings definitely look similar to what they were going for with sword and shield a very european looking style modern european uh it looks like it's based in spain like basically you're inspired by that and then the open world aspect, which has been one of my favorites since Let's Go. Just having the Pokemon run around and avoiding fights when you want to or grinding yes. shinies the way you want to. I've always loved that. And so I think the fact that Arceus was so well received that people are absolutely loving it and they jump on any updates, even if it's just like the latest one with the mass mass outbreaks or the yes. alpha outbreaks like that. People have been loving that. So I think the open world aspect is here to stay. And maybe if they just release the like black and white remasters, which will come in 12 years or something, given how long it took for BDSP to come out uh, with right. that. Um, I think they can go back to the turn-based then when they release black and white. But I think now they're really leaning into this new gameplay mechanic and I'm here mm. for it. Yeah, I, uh, I know a lot of people who... Uh are not big fans of the turn order. So I would like, and this is what I think Scar Scarlet Violet is going to go for, it's the Arceus overworld, but with the traditional Pokemon battling and interaction mechanics, I think. Yeah. Because the I... turn order was interesting, but it's just so heavily speed dominant. I, I feel bad for every slow Pokemon that exists. You just get to, you get to sit there and just constantly get hit. <laughs> I feel like balance was not the main factor in this development. Like there, you yeah. you are absolutely right. If you are the faster Pokemon, you win. Um, and so I've noticed there are some balance issues compared to like Sword and Shield, which I find is very balanced where you can basically run with most teams and you'll have to see some success in the competitive yeah. like battle tower. But with this, yeah, it, it they really focused on the world and it does seem like a test run. Uh, like Arceus does for Gen 9, but my God, is this a good test run? I yes I can a thousand percent get behind that so mm. uh, yeah play play Legends Arceus play hopefully, Arceus hopefully all my anxiety goes away in nine months when this or not even nine months like eight months yeah good recommendation supposed to come out yeah. I guess we should finally talk about Kingdom Hearts all right we probably should okay so uh, this is something Kevin and I have obviously covered because we t yell at each other constantly over the course of several weeks but for you. I would like to hear about your personal history with the oh. Arts franchise. So, I mean, Kevin and I are, like, I was going to say best example or worst example. Like, uh, and later on, we're actually going to talk about the 
the newfound accessibility of, of Kingdom Hearts. Mm-hmm. But like we both played Kingdom Hearts one when it came out, we're like, oh my god, look at game, game real good, Square Enix Disney, <laughs> and just I just continued with the series so far. A lot of people jump in and out at different points, but. I wanted to throw the mic to you and see what yours was like growing up or sure. as an adult, depending on what yeah. you in. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, my first introduction to it was I was reading a Disney magazine based on, like, the Disney parks. We had just gone va- on vacation or something like that, and they released Ooh. this thing like, oh, hey, or, like, we were just about to. And they're like, hey, here's something about the Disney parks, and here's a Disney video game that's coming out soon. And all it talked about was Sora, Donald, and Goofy, and it was a picture of them in Deep Jungle. I'm like, that sounds really cool, even though I know nothing about the gameplay. And then I forgot about it until I went to a friend's <laughs> house and he said, hey, man, I'm playing this game and I'm stuck on this really hard boss. Do you think you could help me out? I said, oh, I've never played this before. What is it? And it was the Cerberus fight in Olympus Coliseum. Oh. And he did not have any items equipped, no accessories, like <laughs> very low level. And we could yes. not beat it. But we've tried for like three hours and we didn't stop having fun for those three hours, even though it was the okay. hardest boss. And so then I, I was like, I need a PS2. I need to play this. This was incredible. So that was probably the yep. end of summer of pro- uh, like 2001, I think. And so it, Christmas uh, at the end of 2001 or 2002, whatever it was, uh, I got my PS2 and only had Kingdom Hearts Ooh. with it. And so that is all I played for probably six months straight. It is the only game I had. As a little kid, I didn't have an allowance, and really, it took so long to beat. I was perfectly happy with playing that one game, and I just played it to death and fell in love with the series. (laughs) And then I have played every single one since then. Um, The PS3 remasters really helped with that when I didn't have a PSP. So I got Mm -hmm. to play Birth by Sleep that way. I got to at least watch the movie for 358 Days Over 2. And so I've always had a steady stream, as most people have, with that Kingdom Hearts content. But it started Mm -hmm. with the Cerberus fight in Kingdom Hearts 1, and I have basically been playing at least one of those games yearly since then nice yeah i feel like there's always that game you have growing up that's like this is just my default if i had to play one game for the rest of my life here is game let me be happy (laughs) yes exactly and kingdom hearts one just like sunk its claws into me and even if i'm not playing kingdom hearts one as often as one of my more favorable kingdom hearts games it really i will always go back to that and say oh yeah this this part hasn't aged well or this part is a little bit weird compared to the quality of life upgrades that the other games have but there it's it's hard to criticize because it was just so special and like Mm -hmm. so well polished for the time and i just thought it worked really well it was such a big hit then and it is what it is now yeah, exactly. It's uh, it's funny because we're going to start kind of where, well, obviously, for those listening chronologically, we are in between 2 and 358, so we're going to kind of, from Nick and I's perspective, gloss over 1, com 2. Mm-hmm. This is like a here's a mini update, and also you have an opinion, and this is your first time yelling into the ether with us, so you get to yell about that opinion. But yeah, 1, uh, I mean, to speak to Kevin... As a, to be his voice, to be his incorporeal form. It obviously one is his favorite. Uh, we've riffed about the differences between one and going forward because one was very much its own standalone. Like here is game. It's it's the ba- uh, Kingdom Hearts is the Batman of the Kingdom Hearts franchise. It's a self-contained <laughs> story that <laughs> oh, it, it tells its own thing. It mostly wraps up its own loose ends. Uh, it's meant to be. An experience in itself 
Whereas, funny enough, every game after that, in my opinion, is just, it's an accessory to this shared plot thread that strings across the Kingdom Hearts timeline. So, I feel like everything past one is just supplementing to get to, well, the resolution we got in KH3 and the, uh, the experiences and adventures that will happen uh, post KH, well, you know, going past the Dark Seeker saga, which we'll also talk about much later on in the show. Yeah, I think rightfully so with that. They probably, as much as they want us to think that this has been a 20-year plan, after the first game, I have to imagine they didn't know if they were going to get a sequel or not. So they tried setting it up vaguely with the end cutscene of Kingdom Hearts 1 just to say, hey, if we get a second game, fantastic. Or if it was confirmed most of the way through development where, again, that wasn't a guarantee, they wanted it to be as self-contained as possible and leave it open for interpretation. And then as soon as they got greenlit, for chain of memories and two i'm sure they just like went crazy with it and that was uh, like i think that's a really good point that it was very much its own thing at least just for that one game kevin and i kind of covered this at the end of cage one but obviously the secret movie was like here is some potential plot threads that we could resolve if we got another game ooh, ooh. and then square said you make it a money here the game <laughs> And they said, yeah. So we had, obviously, going from one, one to calm to two, we took a lot of the uh, secret ending stuff from one and said, well, how is this going to interweave itself into two? Because basically, once they knew those sequels were coming, they said, okay, how do we, like, I think, obviously, the secret movie, or the super secret movie, another side of the story, mm-hmm. uh, it counts down from 13, obviously, to reference Organization 13. Uh, there are some key words that, uh, get thrown into two because oh crap where are we going to put this dialogue or just this 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 line here and there basically uh, but it, it literally was like well this could happen if you gave us another game to use so maybe we will and 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 here we are and i guess that's kind of the most natural way to to kick down the door and start talking about kh1 in terms of just the entire Thing in general absolutely We're basically already doing it might as well go for it so uh, we mentioned kh1 is very, like very much contained so uh i and again speak to kev kev loves it i i think it's still a great game i think the improvements made further along in the series kind of dampen my feeling for one i it's funny because i say that as we're about to go into the handheld era uh, where people will beep and complain because this is a Kingdom Hearts 3 and uh, everything that was added and sort of taken away and you know messed around with like I think of I don't I don't even remember the mechanic uh, but uh, it's specifically for code and I think it is in it's in 358 as well but you would equip commands as opposed to here's a magic uh, and it, it pops up in, in Birth by Sleep as well right um, but equipping those as opposed to like here are my keyblades, here are my magic, here are my so on, um, it, it, they make it feel like one isn't as important of a game to me, mm-hmm. where I, I physically know one is still a very important, a very good game. The <laughs> I say that as all of the negative emotions swell in my mind because we played Final Mix, and I was gonna just, I, my my first thought is how concise. To be fun, to be fair, Cage One is very good and very concise. And then I remember all the final mix changes, one being the uh, I forget, Uber Heartless, we call them, but they're the special Heartless, right. which made synthesis grinding uh, a complete pain in the ass. Ooh. Uh, oh, I didn't realize that. that. 
Yeah. Oh god. Did you? Did you play? Oh, uh, you obviously played one. But yeah, in the in the one point five, two point five remix, there's one final mix. So yeah, it, it it makes the synthesis. It's mainly just to get Ultima Weapon that much harder because you have to synthesize certain things to you know the synthesis opens up the more you make. But to make a lot of things, you need to get them from the special heartless. Like there's the Giga Shadow in Traverse Town. There is, I think, the black black rock in uh, deep jungle um they're all special and unique though so that's why i do love them there's a chimera in halloween town uh where in the giant crater where oogie's mansion was and then you promptly destroy oogie's mansion <laughs> okay um, yeah because when i played it on the ps2 obviously not the final mix version it, synthesis was not something that i ever thought that i would really do because i had a hard enough time just beating the game again it took yeah. me about six months as a kid to beat the game and so synthesis was not something i was going to grind for and the only <laughs> other time i've gotten the ultimate weapon is in kingdom hearts 2 final mix on the ps3 and so i it has not been something that i have like dedicated myself to because i've always focused more on the story but with yes. that i did notice that final mix did make some changes but as i was like like for years and years and years because it held such a special place uh kingdom hearts one was always my favorite game or like of the series i would always say yes. oh yep start from the first game it's one of the best like start from there and then i remember streaming it on twitch one time and i was trying to like talk to my audience and say oh hey i love this part of the game i love this part of the game let me mm -hmm. show you why i love this game so much and i would get yeah. to like deep jungle i'm like oh deep jungle is super annoying we'll just get past this world oh alice yeah. in wonderland is super annoying we'll just get past this world <laughs> and i started saying that more and more and it wasn't until the third or fourth time i'm like do i like this game do i like <laughs> kingdom hearts and of course i do but i yeah. think you're absolutely right and we mentioned it before that the quality of life upgrades with the commands and just the gameplay loop that kingdom hearts 2 provided where there's so much more customization there's so much more ability to like there's speed i think a lot of that in kingdom hearts 2 is there as well that you just feel more powerful in 2 rightfully yes. so so going back to kingdom hearts 1 was a little bit tough for me but it didn't like ruin it where i will still gladly go back to that mm -hmm. game and enjoy it and under like now that i can piece together that kingdom hearts 2 is one of my favorites in the series but kingdom hearts 1 is special for nostalgic reasons i still exactly. appreciate it where it's not ruined but uh yeah mm -hmm. i kind of had that moment where i realized that yeah they kind of put kingdom hearts one's kind of aspects or its strategy and playing kind of on the back burner as soon as they added more of those upgrades and those abilities to the point where you kind of miss those when you go back to the older games exactly right and that's uh to, again to be kevin's voice in the ether i think that's and to him to a lot of people as well that's what makes cage one more special Mm -hmm. in their opinion like the series it's not the oh my god it's been ruined going forward no, but no. because one is so distinct now that it makes it that much more special mm -hmm. at the end of the day and i could to i can i don't feel that way but i can totally understand like where all that's coming from yeah uh, and like i'll totally go back to it like it's been a few years since i've played kingdom hearts one and so i should probably do that again my most recent one i played was uh, kingdom hearts 3 i replayed that within the past year and so like i kind of at this point instead of doing full series replays whether it's on or off stream for content i just enjoy yeah. the games and so i'll go back to them and so I, it's been a little bit it's been a little bit of time since kingdom hearts one and so i have no problem with going back to that and appreciating it for what it was exactly 
So, sounds like sounds like KH Final Mix replay is uh, in in the works now. Oh, maybe. you could say that. Oh, well. as of about forty five seconds ago. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here first. Exactly, God. I uh, yeah. I would say for for one story, to be at to be fair, at the end of the day, for at least the number of titles, but I feel like probably for every title, actually, it's. Hey, uh, we're gonna do Disney for about twenty-five hours, and at the beginning and the end of the game, maybe there'll be a unique plot. So, uh, I will actually one I think has the most consistent because they they hop from world to world looking for Riku and looking for Mickey and looking for Kyrie. Mm-hmm. So the plot gets interwoven. Like I we we're gonna we're gonna shit on Deep Jungle until we pass from this mortal coil. But we go literally deep jungle is sort of, uh, you know, Donald's like, the king would never go to this backwater town. <laughs> and so I was like, well, what if my friends are there, Donald? Donald, I'm going to crash this ship if you don't let me take over. <laughs> and, you know, the, the hilarious little Donald and Sora get mad at each other because they have opposing views. Mm-hmm. And that's something really special and really only appears a lot, uh, or consistently at least, in KH1. Uh, of course, we get our Riku's interwoven of like, is Riku a friend or is he a foe now? Until he actually is like, you know what? Uh, I don't like you anymore, Sora. Uh, and one would say that Riku never liked Sora from the beginning because Riku is kind of an asshole all the way through Cage 1 until he's like, you know what? Maybe I've been a bad boy all along. <laughs> yeah, Sora's always like, oh, I got to save my friends. And I'm like, you can save one of them. Kyrie has never <laughs> hurt you. She exactly. has never attacked you as a person. <laughs> Like, like the first, I guess to be fair, when like the Destiny Islands logo appears in KH1, it's like it's like them like racing in the sand, and, and before that, it is kind of like Riku's like, I guess I'm the only one working on the raft. But like the race the next day, and even like the text box dialogue, he's like, I'm like Riku's kind of being a being a real dickhead right now, <laughs> and that that doesn't really stop. Like Riku's always negging Sora, like I imagine. Uh, I'm thinking of the next instance, uh, which is the Traverse Town uh, after uh, after Destiny Islands, and Riku's like, basically, I think so, they get like attack from behind, and Riku's like, oh, you can't take care of yourself, see? And I'm like, I mean, you haven't seen your friend in like what I equate is probably like several days, and the first thing is, haha, Sora, you still weak, and I'm like, mm, yeah, you were I'm ripped away from your home. You don't know where your friends are. You're worried sick. And the only reason you're going out into space is to find Riku. And he goes, you're doing what? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you nerd. And it's like, Riku, come on, man. Cut me some slack here. Exactly. Uh, whereas, obviously, because we just played two. Two is basically, there is the organization. We got to find Riku. We kind of know where Mickey is. But... Disney worlds are the Disney worlds. They're they're nothing more, uh, nothing less, basically. Right. Um, Where uh, my immediate first thought with KH one is like Pinocchio's level with the whale. You like Riku is a major part of that story. Like I, oh, that music haunts me. <laughs> But, like, that's a major part of the level where really, like, Alice in Wonderland, it really focuses on the Disney aspect. And Aladdin really focuses on the Disney aspect. And that was one of the main aspects of the whale is 
Like, Riku's there, he's doing stuff that is out of character, like stealing Pinocchio and running around and trapping him in the cage heartless. Like, why yeah. are you doing this? And that was, I think, super cool to bring it both into, like, yes, there is a healthy mix between, oh, just Disney and the actual conflict at hand, where sometimes with the other worlds, and I'd say, like, Kingdom Hearts 3, where, like, if Donald and Sora kind of butted heads over what the mission is, it was more of like a random quip here and there rather than yes. a full conversation. And it's like, oh, haha, they're bickering. But with Kingdom Hearts 1, they really put a lot of focus on that story and mixing it into the Disney worlds while also, like, I, I thought it was a healthy mix. That's all I'll mm -hmm. say. Yes, it, it definitely is, the, I think, is the best mix of original plot, uh, but also Disney thingies. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, they get much streamlined. I, I've, I've I've beeped and complained about the level design of. I mean, we literally just talked about how one is unique compared to everything else now. And well, Chain of Memories at platforming, but we also don't like Chain of Memories very much. So no. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> but again, it, it's it's so unique that going back to it, you know, it takes it. There is an adjustment period. Yes. So. It's not, it doesn't leave a bad taste. It's not good nor bad. It's just, okay, this is different. Gotcha. Okay. Cool, 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 cool. Yep. And that's, that's totally fine. And to be fair, when I replayed one, I did really enjoy going back to each treasure chest is not immediately in plain sight. I need to use my, you know, always been two. They're the growth abilities, like your quick runs, your, your glides. Uh, but these matter more in KH1 than any other game, so... It's a, it, it's again, it's a, it's got a special place for, for what it did, uh, basically. They, and, yeah. Uh, yeah. They, they did a lot with the smaller maps that they were given. And so, like, if you really decide to, like, you clear out the story of Deep Jungle, for example, and that's one of the bigger maps there. But once you clear it oh. out and you have full access, it is pretty easy to go from the beginning of the level to the end of the level and loop around like to the point where it's like it's smaller than it initially feels and so the fact that they were able to do so much with each of those worlds with where they include items and how you traverse them and how things are blocked off maybe the first time you go there and then once you return with more abilities it opens up even more like they yeah. did surprisingly well with the small room that they did exactly yeah so that's again it's unique to catch one mm-hmm it's a really good thing. And so, uh, I guess before we transition into Chain of Memories, unfortunately, if there's any memorable moments, uh, and I'll, I'll start with at least one that I can think of before I pass it over to you, but I was thinking, because you mentioned the ending of one and its ambiguity, and I, I really do like stories that end on an interpretation note. You can say Inception is like, Inception, Inception is like one of the big ones. Like, yeah. are we in the dream world? Are we not? What the hell is going on? Leaving it up to the audience so they can speculate and talk and think and converse and have these dumb discussions about what the hell you think is going on, I think is a lot of, a lot of fun. So I do like the, like, you know what? Uh, <laughs> uh, it's also one of my favorite, I wouldn't call it a meme, but uh, uh, when we see Pluto, we focus on the letter, we see his Mickey seal, and then Donald looks at, uh, Donald looks, uh, like stage left, Goofy. Obviously, they're both looking at Sora. Yep. And then Goofy does the same thing, and they're like, "Well, let's go on to adventure." I think my favorite version is that clip, but uh, uh, the, like a, uh, the caption is like, "Me and my friends were about to do dumb shit." Oh yeah. Uh, I, I just love that. Like, you know what? 
there's still more adventure to be had and mm-hmm. you know, wherever the hell that may or may not lead us i think uh really resonates with me because a lot again because one is unique and i feel like i said that three million times right uh, other games and then here this story has concluded but wait there are other things mm-hmm. obviously because we mentioned how the games going forward are basically supplements to the larger plot one kind of does what it wants to do and that's it yeah, I know some people would call that a cliffhanger. I don't think that's a cliffhanger. I think a cliffhanger is when something is unresolved, where you're like, how is this like story that I've been invested in for, let's say, a TV show for 20 episodes, and then the season doesn't resolve it? That's a cliffhanger to me. With this, yeah. I feel like it's more of just like anticipation, where like in with Inception, the whole point is when he's spinning the top, if it doesn't waver and it doesn't fall over, he's in real life and not a dream. And yeah. you can see at the very end of Inception, spoilers for an 11-year-old movie, uh, the top Whoa. kind of wavers a little bit before it goes to a black screen. So most people can infer that he is living in real life and it's not a dream, but it still was such a talking point for years. Yes. Like, And so just the idea that there could be more or that interpretation even if 99 percent of people will understand what the result is people still talked about it for years and so that's it was kind of the same thing with kingdom hearts one with that secret movie who is this hooded person with two keyblades like i have two. no idea like could if we don't get a sequel sure we won't understand who that is but like that it was such a talking point and where are sora donald and goofy running off to in these green flowery hills i don't think we see castle oblivion in that trailer okay that's what i thought um but like where could they be running off to sure it's kind of like an empty area so it could be anywhere exactly but it was anything we need it to be exactly leading to something and Mm. that worked yeah it actually speaking of this reminds me of the end of ff7 remake as you mentioned cliffhanger and obviously we knew that seven remake was going to end with the party leaving midgar yes cut there and whenever we get episode uh, you know uh, two through 99 <laughs> uh, i'm not i'm not holding out for a hero what can i say but i do love me final fantasy seven it's no, gonna actually, be a long I'm, game i'm playing remake on hard mode right now because i want to a platinum the game essentially uh, and the game is good uh, it ends with okay there's more work to be done but it doesn't, it doesn't feel... I feel like cliffhangers usually are associated with uh, an unsatisfying... I wouldn't even call them conclusions. Just unsatisfying ending. Yeah. Um, you, like, you can leave on, like, oh, a character walks into their home, turns on the light, cut to black gunshots. Like, they're, they're, that, I think, is like more of an intentional cliffhanger. Mm-hmm. But uh, the, the things that get to end resolve their own story while also laying the path forward, I think... Are, are fantastic and so i gotta totally i'll give it up i'll give it up to kh1 every time for being like we can go other places but where those places will be you know we'll find out exactly they left a lot of room for them to explore and i read somewhere that the development at least for kingdom hearts 2 i know we have chain of memories in between but mm-hmm. development for kingdom hearts 2 didn't even start until the development for final mix was done and Ooh. so like they really didn't know where they were going to go they just maybe had an idea for where roxas was and maybe like leading up to castle oblivion that was probably greenlit much before kingdom hearts 2 but yeah they had that break in time where they were setting all this up and said maybe we'll start on kingdom hearts 2 after this and luckily they did 
Yeah, because I believe, and this is why I keep a million tabs open, is that we got we got OG Chain of Memories. I feel like I keep defaulting to say Recom, but Recom is talking about the PS2 remake of Com. But for for, for, for regular GBA Com, they did uh, they did that, and they were working on Final Mix around the same time, and I think. I, I could be wrong. I do. I'm I'm manically like scrolling right now, but like, please, I don't want to be wrong. I don't want to be wrong. I don't want to be wrong. <laughs> but when they they did Final Mix, it came with Recom as as well. Oh. Again, it, was, it was only Japan, and I'm trying to clarify that right now before I talk out of my uh, big gaping asshole. <laughs> uh, and so, so I will let you riff a little bit if so desired. But yeah, I think that is where it left off. But I to, am, uh, yeah. To be honest, yeah. completely forgot it was a Game Boy Advance game because oh my, my introduction <laughs> to it was the PS2 version. Um, and I then I remember after one of my cousins said, oh, I have this Game Boy Advance game because I didn't have a Game Boy Advance and showed me Chain of Memories. And I was like, oh, Man. this is super weird because I didn't really like uh, there wasn't much room for me to explore the Internet. Uh, you know, I was on kids only america online i had my parental blocks and so i didn't spend a whole lot of time exploring game news and the way i got it was from word of mouth who let's say another family member got a copy of nintendo power and showed me stuff that was in nintendo power that's kind of how i got my news at the time so i didn't really understand that chain of memories was a thing coming out until much later and didn't have a full understanding of it but yeah, I did. I remember hearing that Chain of Memories was included in the Japanese version of Final Mix, and okay, then yes. they released it much later. I don't know the timeline exactly for those All release right. dates, but you got found and something. This is why I have a million tabs open, and also because I don't like to clickety clack on the keyboard track while recording at the same time. Understood. Um, but yes, so so <laughs> Recom and Final Mix Plus, which is Cage Two Final Mix, were bundled together. That's that's what you know I was thinking of. Uh, oh. One, yeah, yeah. Final Mix by itself. So it's funny, and I only discovered this because Kevin loves Kingdom Hearts One. Is that KH One came out in Japan, and I, ha- I literally have the dates. So let me make sure I'm saying that correctly. Original Kingdom Hearts came out March of two thousand and two. We got it later uh, in other territories in November of the same year, and then Final Mix came out. A little bit after that, only in Japan. It came out December. It came out the day after Christmas in 2002 because the original Japanese version actually didn't have a lot of the things that the what we'll call the international version had. Uh, it didn't have the secret bosses and it was missing uh, some content that we are familiar with outside of Japan. Uh, so they they did final mixes like oh we're gonna you know, sprinkle the things from the international into the Japanese version, but also add a little bit extra because they added, like, Kurt Ziza and the Phantom. Uh, they added, like, you get... Um, oh, I forget the the keyblade you get from beating Sephiroth because it's so lame in KH1. Oh, um, God, I forget. I want to say it's Falling Angel. I could totally be wrong. I know you get Diamond Dust for beating um, Ice Titan, things like mm-hmm. that. They added the <laughs> the Unknown Man! Which is just Zemnis. Yeah. They were like, "Hey, uh, we think we know where we're going forward." Uh, they added the the super secret ending and like you know some other some other items. Um, they added some cutscenes because I will always know the KH one Final Mix cutscenes because they're not voiced at all. Right. Like there is no. 
and I, I feel like I know KH one so well that uh, those still feel fresh and new to me. And I'm like, I don't remember that. That's a final mix cutscene. <laughs> um, I always think of Riku landing in Hollow Bastion because that's where he gets punted to and Destiny Islands gets swallowed by darkness. And he's like screaming in the waterfall area, but uh, uh, he has no mouth. And by that I mean there is no audio, or at least no voiced audio, of course. Right. And that was their get around of like, oh, we got to push this game out. We don't want to re record this dialogue and also we got we got final mix with 1.5 remix which was like 10 10 years afterwards yeah and that was the first time the americas had gotten a final mix version was through the ps3 version and so at that point um it was definitely like such a weird scattered release and I, my timeline was off when I mentioned it earlier that Kingdom Hearts 1, yeah, it released uh, internationally on November of 2002, but for America and Canada, it came out on my birthday of September 17th, 2002. Oh, so well, I said, well, well. So I said 2001 earlier, I hope the Kingdom Hearts purists don't come attack me. They're like, you're on a Kingdom uh, Hearts podcast and you don't know what you're talking about. Like, exactly. We never do. No, no. Uh, we are those purists. We're trying yeah. to be. Um, so, yeah, it was super weird. So March in Japan, September in America and Canada, and then November everywhere else, at least for main game Kingdom Hearts 1. So now I'm starting to have a million tabs open just to fact check this. <laughs> and so then Kingdom Hearts 1.5 remix, the first time that the Americas had gotten that, was September 10th of 2013. And so 11 years later, that's when we got the remastered versions on PS3 uh, here anyway. And yes. so then it has been released... Uh, ten thousand times after that exactly this is this was the resurgence or not even the resurgence. it was the first right. stepping stone to making kingdom hearts accessible because we had really released a bunch of handheld titles and the the chance of kingdom hearts 3 were still we were still in that era of like just just give us mother three reggie yeah oh, exactly <laughs> and like it was like oh a new kingdom hearts game came out time to get a new console a new handheld a new console yes. like it was uh, always something where it was they were trying to scatter it across everything where i remember the rumors of like i wonder if kingdom hearts 3 is going to be an xbox exclusive because it's not on everything else and this game exactly. isn't on everything else and they thought that we were just gonna they were gonna spread it out across every single platform individually uh yeah. that was a wild time i do not miss those days exactly oh my god uh it reminds me of God. Unfortunately, uh, the the prelude to Sword and Shield, and people dunking on the various design choices mm -hmm. and gameplay choices that were made to make it its own experience. And so I had flashbacks of that, like five minutes after watching uh, the Scarlet and Violet announcement. I was like, I hope we don't. I hope we don't go back to the Dark Ages. Please, God Almighty, st keep us away. Oh God, I hope. I yeah. Fingers crossed and. Well, we mentioned the dark times, so we might as well talk about Chain of Memories slash Re-Chain of Memories. All right, I'm ready. <laughs> so uh, so you've only played Recom, right? You've only yes. played the, uh, the PS2. Correct. I, uh, so I owned... I remember seeing that horribly, like, bit-rated. It wasn't horrible, but obviously compared to the PS2, uh, the opening, I believe... I, so I didn't beat uh, original Chain of Memories. Oh, my God! Wow! Kill me now! Oh, and you're a Kingdom Hearts fan? And I'm a Kingdom Hearts fan, too. Who would have thunk? Oh. Um, uh, I couldn't make it past... One of the last... I definitely didn't make, did not make it to Marluxia. Because I was also, like, 11 at the time. So, you know, gag me with the spoon. It, it, it yeah. is what it is. <laughs> also, not horribly a balanced game. I do no. want to revisit... Uh, 
you know, OG calm before I pass from this mortal coil at some point. But it, it was just, it, it was just so much different. And I'll be curious to see how well it does and does not hold up. But I remember the opening cutscene was, it was still in KH2 engine, but probably then exported to whatever files they were using on the GBA. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it had most of the look, but it obviously it was, the resolution was not uh, as crystal clean as it was on uh, the Lord's PlayStation 2, unfortunately. No, so. and Recom worked pretty well, like, movement-wise, where you could, like, really, like, explore the arenas and, like, run around mm-hmm. and take a little bit of time to sort out your cards. I can't imagine that worked smoothly on Game Boy Advance. Yeah, I feel like that must have was... been so hard. It was like 2.5. It, it was well, actually not. I'm thinking, sorry. Not 2.5. It had, it had isometric view. Mm-hmm. So the, if, you, if you've played uh, Recom and not OJCOM, the room layouts are kind of the same, but just imagine them from, you know, that like uh, that isometric perspective of like, you know, you, you're basically the sun staring down at the back of Sora's head. Mm-hmm. Like, like constantly. So you, you have a bit more a view, again, because you have that semi aerial view. But it's the same. There's a lot of platforming. The rooms are randomly genera- generated. But they have very similar layouts. So uh, there's no obviously there's no real reason to find a GBA emulator or dust off that GBA. You could just play Recom if you want to experience pain. Uh, but obviously <laughs> transitioning and gameplay wise, there are a lot of adjustments uh, that need to be made. And it was very funny because obviously we, we mentioned how in Japan when you bought Final Mix Plus for KH2. It came with Recom. We didn't get Recom until, and I'm, I'm fact-checking myself, because this is the individual I was born to be. Uh, but Recom, I think, didn't come out until... It was in the PS3 era, and it was a PS2 game. That's that's wow. how I, I remember it. Yeah, it came out... Yes, I was going to say 09. It came out in December of 08, because I remember reading a gaming magazine, and it'd be like, Kingdom Hearts 2, Re-Chain of Memories. And I was like... Okay, I knew that because I had seen like Japanese screenshots of re- Recom at this point. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, this is. I mean, it was still early. It was like, what, a year into the PS3's life cycle? But I just checked. Like, yeah, PS3 came out November 17th, 2006. So a oh, year wow, and a so half. Yeah. Or Dang. almost two years. Yeah, basically. Yeah, two years. And I know that we'll typically have that overlap where we're still getting PS4 games getting released right now and the PS5 exactly. is over a year old. So it sort of makes sense, but it is sort of weird to, two years later to get a new Kingdom Hearts game when everyone at that point was very much clamoring for Kingdom Hearts 3. It's like, oh, hey, here's a remake of a not great Game Boy Advance game for PS2. Enjoy <laughs> it. We're feeding you. Be grateful. Yeah. I, I assume it was just easy. It was e- you could easily localize it and just yeah. ship it out and be like... It is what it is, bitch. Get over yeah, it. Exactly. So just kind of call it from there. Um, I'll never get over KH2 voiced Sora in Recom because he's still got his KH1 design. Uh, it, it, it always throws me for a loop whenever I. <laughs> the two times that I've played Recom, of like, oh yeah, this is, you know, this is post KH2. So Haley Joel Osment is. I think it was a young adult, like late teens yeah. when KH1 came out. So obviously. His voice had changed, and he took had a different take on Sora for two. And they said, "Hey, hey, hey, Haley Joel Osment, what if you just did that voice again, but you looked like young Sora?" And I have no clue what his response is because I have not had a personal conversation with Haley Joel Osment. Yes, you haven't. 
Yes. And you call yourself a Kingdom Hearts fan? And I do call myself <laughs> a Kingdom Hearts fan. Oh my gosh. Um, I think that was the most glaring with Haley Joel Osment's voice looking on, or like being on a younger Sora, was Dream Drop Distance. Because he had a very similar Kingdom yes. Hearts 1 look to him and for him to sound the oldest he had ever been and he doesn't sound old but there's a difference between child sora from kingdom hearts one and older sora from around that time like past the 3ds term it was jarring to hear a much older sora coming out of that little body but like Mm -hmm. it like any reasonable player can understand oh yeah it's because the actor is older but still a little bit weird that they would stick to a younger character design Knowing that that was something that was an inevitability. Yeah, I, I, th- I think it's interesting at the very least because I remember that that jump to DDD mm-hmm. and I'm like, oh, he's doing another riff on Sora, but he's younger Sora, so it's understandable. And I'll have to go back and check when I when we get to this point in the story. In, in the story, but I feel like in KH three he kept that. I feel like DDD he tried out his middle of the road. Like I'm in between KH one and KH two Sora. Yeah. And I think he just continued with that for three. Because I remember seeing the first things for three, and I'm like, that doesn't sound exactly like the one we got in DDD or two. So maybe it's a combination of both. He's basically changed Sora's voice like three separate times. It is what it is. We'll, maybe maybe for Kingdom Hearts 4, we'll get uh, Vin Diesel, but it's Sora instead. Right. And we also need to consider if Haley Joel Osment considers himself a wider voice actor is he exclusively with the kingdom hearts games where he is stuck with the series and then he has just done like movies after that like and so if he doesn't really want to change his voice for however many hours and hours of recording like i don't blame him for that it was just weird that with ddd and we won't get into much of the story details for spoilers or anything like that because those episodes would be coming at some point but i there you see how Sora looks in Kingdom Hearts 2 a bit in that game, then you see him a bit as younger Sora in that game. So you see a few different versions and costumes of him uh, for all story reasons and plot reasons. And so for him to not want to change his voice drastically like that, I get that. It's just a a hump you need to get over and like understand, oh, okay, this is how the game is going to sound and then move forward from there. Yeah. I think that, I think that, that wraps it up like pretty perfectly. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's funny because I have distinct gameplay elements. And I'm like, okay, distinct gameplay elements for recon, and I just long sighed internally to myself. Just now. <laughs> I, I I echo. Uh, are we? You know, every at the end of every game, we have a wrap up episode. We talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly. I think I I stand by where I stood by at the end of Chain of Memories, which was maybe like seven months ago from this recording, maybe six, a little more than like six, seven months, Uh, more than half a year, I can say that much. I, it's funny because we're in an era of substantially great card games. There is Slay the Spire, Inscription, Mm -hmm. um, Dicey Dungeons, a lot of our early game corners Kev loved and was playing Dicey Dungeons a lot. Uh, I'm so curious if if you took the card element out of Recom and just made a Kingdom Hearts game, or if you doubled down and you made it this card game, but with a you know a side bit of action, because it Recom is just this unfortunate amalgamation of both, and I think it would have benefited by being one and not the other at the end of the day. Right, and it's unfortunate like 
not that we like a remake of the remake is ever really a possibility but it, yeah. within, within a hypothetical like that it, it would be hard to take out the card playing of chain of memories because they really integrated it into the story too they're yeah. all talking about their own cards and the world cards and it's like ooh, all right they really leaned into this mechanic um but i think just given the setting and everything like that or if they wanted to tweak it they've clearly shown that they can take ideas and build off of them and build those quality of life upgrades i would be very hesitant to see another card related game <laughs> but i think that they could probably make it better now than it was before uh, given if that was their second game after kingdom hearts one and they completely changed the formula they've learned their lesson from this point again not possible i don't think that would ever yeah. happen but it's fun to think about oh oh definitely definitely i was so around the time we were talking about this is when the games came to Epic. So the first time the games were on the PC. Yes. You know, everybody's thought was, okay, cool. We're going to play Kingdom Hearts. Cool. Uh, also, the mod community is going to have an effing field day with all this shit. And they and, did. And they have. And I was very curious to see if someone would make Recom, but better. And I don't think it's happened. But I would really be interested to see somebody's un a new take on Re... re Calm, combat, bleh. That's a statement. That's the, those are words I had to string together. But mm. but exactly right, yeah. Well, I've definitely already seen mods of people taking Kingdom Hearts 3, which I imagine is the easiest to jump into with, like, the best-looking models, the best-looking worlds, like, items yeah. like that. That's what a lot of the modding community would jump into. And I've seen them remake uh, different aspects of that game in full gameplay mods where it seems like there's kind of like a like a permadeath mode that they've added or a randomizer Ooh. mode. Like, so every chest you open is a random item. You go to different worlds and different orders. And so they completely randomize Kingdom Hearts 3. And then mm -hmm. I've also seen people try and like, even before the PC ports came through, I saw people jumping into Unreal Engine 3 or whatever was the most like updated Unreal Engine at the time and just yep. creating Traverse Town. And it looked beautiful the same way people would remake Ocarina of Time in mm -hmm. Unreal Engine. Like I saw people were doing that years ago. And so now that they have all these resources, I think it would definitely take some time. And it's been what about a year since the PC games have come out yeah. um, at that point if the, there's not one that's well into development, I'd be very surprised. Yeah. I can dream. We can dream of a good chain of memories, though. <laughs> <laughs> I would not hate it, but I'm not holding my breath. Exactly right, yeah. It's a, it's its own thing. Actually, thinking about the story, which uh, we talked about this in a wrap-up episode, but I, Kevin and I kind of agree that the end of chain of memories invalidates its entire story the only thing you really need to know is some organization members died but because we don't touch much in the series in general on the calm story because sora says you know what i would like my old memories back nominee can i get a refund and she's like oh okay and she's like but i won't refund you you're special right mm -hmm. uh, basically we don't we literally as a character do not remember what happens in castle oblivion so it's hard to go back and reference right things that happened in castle oblivion riku and, and mickey are the only two who really experienced it remember and even again they don't really flash back and recall things from calm the only i think big takeaway is riku uh 
becomes starts his character arc to become best boy, in my opinion. Um, and he learns to walk between the light and the dark, not just stick to one or the other. Um, and also, he's maybe been mentally scarred by darkness with Ansem, so like maybe he can't be a, a really goody good shoes. But you know, he can he can try his best. And also, he's now friends with fucking King Mickey. So like, what more do you need? Right. And myself, along with probably 90% of the Kingdom Hearts fans at the time, went into Kingdom Hearts 2 without playing Chain of Memories. And so yep. a lot of the confusion was, who is this blonde boy that I'm playing as for four hours at the beginning of Kingdom Hearts 2? And why am I not killing every Organization 13 member when that's what I thought would happen at the beginning of the game? It's Organization 13. Why are we only seeing seven? seven or eight <laughs> and there's no explanation as to why you'd have to exactly. read the logs and very deep in the game to realize oh chain of memories had some sort of impact but clearly not enough and then if you go back to chain of memories however you want to play it it invalidates everything exactly yep. right like you so i have always told people you can play it you can try chain of memories but you can just read the wiki a uh, one paragraph on the wikipedia page to figure out what happened so you were not confused for 30 hours playing kingdom hearts 2 exactly i it's funny because i think i've i've said this several times to several people over the course of the past few days i like experiencing bad things like i'm fine with watching a bad movie mm -hmm. because i want to see how bad it is like we rag on I, I i can't think of like a bad movie or anything right now um crap uh well i mean the best example people hate justice league Oh, okay um, yeah so like yeah again i think it's in a mediocre movie mm -hmm. uh, like going back and seeing it and, and i think that well, i won't get into that but that's that's an amalgamation of two directors so that's that's a very hard tone to kind of keep up the entire movie i think uh but like seeing again where it falters where you know sometimes there are like hidden diamonds in the rough in a horrible project so mm -hmm. Uh, Chain of Memories, unfortunately, there are a few scattered without, but nothing great at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, the one thing I do love, again, because Axel is fantastic, and no one can tell me otherwise. Love him. Exactly. Um, every organiz I mean, Vexen's kind of rememberable, because he is the crazy man scientist of the group. Mm -hmm. uh, Larxene is just the bitch, and we when we ranked the organization members at the end of two, Larxene was at the bottom of my list. <laughs> So, or Larkscene haters come at me. Uh, I don't. She's just like you know. She's meant to be a, a literally a thorn in your side and nothing more. And I don't enjoy that character type. And I don't enjoy her personality. But that's obviously that's that's a very personal mm -hmm. story coming coming at y'all or you know, per, very personal perspective uh, at the end of the day. Uh, but Axel being you know because uh, you find out in in Chain of Memories that they're basically becoming insurgents like we're gonna take over the organization and axel's like oh well i am the traitor's traitor so what are you gonna do about it i think is very interesting mm -hmm. um but yeah like we lose we lose vexen we lose arxine marluxia tries to be interesting uh and luckily he only gets better as in he's not as horribly boring in calm as he is later in the series right uh we lost luxaeus who didn't do much uh, and we lost Zexion, who actually has a lot. So it's funny when Zexion pops up later in the series. Um, but yeah, we lost five off the bat. So we were. Oh, it's funny because they proclaim themselves Organization Thirteen when they're at six in 
uh, in two because they lost Roxas, uh, you know, somewhere mm-hmm. in the in the midst of getting into two. Um, yeah, and I feel like we have spent. I don't want to say too long talking about Chain of Memories more than it <laughs> deserves, uh, but there is a lot of stuff that, again, if that is something that you're interested in, give it a try, but know that you can quit at any point because the payoff for playing the game, maybe story-wise, isn't fantastic where it's just, it kind of feels like a throwaway game the way they wrap it up, but just for uh, at least to shout out the Riku mode that opens up after you beat the Sora yes. mode. That mm. made the game... 10 times more fun it is like three times faster you can complete it in a third of the time because there's not a whole lot of deck customization it is like there's none there's literally none none at all okay i thought you could maybe add a couple yeah so there was like nothing at all each world riku has a set deck that's what Uh, it is okay yes so you can do the worlds you kind of have a similar order to sora's in the middle, it, it starts with Hollow Bastion for Riku. Mm-hmm. I think it ends in Twilight Town, Castle Oblivion. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, each world, you have a set Riku deck, which also makes, I think it makes it interesting. It, 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 um, it's funny because I played a game with somebody. I played a game of Magic, um, and someone said, well, I'm taking away, uh, I'm eliminating the freedom of choice. So you can, you can play the game better. And to a degree, that is kind of what Riku mode does. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it can be a little annoying because, especially early on, you get like decks with ones and twos, enemies throwing out fives and sixes, and I'm like, well, this is the hand I was given, so I literally, so I have to deal with it. Um, but I feel like most of the Riku decks are pretty balanced, and unlike Sora, you you have to hit three story points in a world before you exited. Riku is just get to the required world now, get the hell out of the world. And yeah. Yeah. It was, it was literally Sorgo, but on steroids. Right, and it made it so much more fun because at least when you're playing Sora, for me at least, I'm very unsure of like my loadouts in most games, just in making mm-hmm. sure that I'm optimizing it, I'm min-maxing what I can. And then if I'm losing battles over and over again, it always falls on me where I'm like, well, I'm not doing a good job with my deck and I don't know how to improve it. At least mm-hmm. with Riku, for someone like me, where you just want to really focus on the story, that kind of it don't it doesn't hold your hand, but it says, "Hey, we will give you the resources that you need, and then you can go to town and then fly through the story and still enjoying the combat and the the style of the game that it is." And so that's where I liked the Riku mode ten times more than the Sora mode, purely yes. because it wasn't as frustrating for me. Uh, there exactly. was more story rich aspects for Sora. Obviously, he's really the main character of it all. Um, yeah. And Riku's is kind of an addition, but it is at least worth playing so you can feel super powerful and then just yes. run through like that. That's at least just like if you want to just play the game, that's the best way to play it if you've already unlocked it. I, 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 I would a thousand percent agree with that, actually. Yeah. And for the people that, know that do like Recom, uh, slates, I think, are very interesting when you stack your cards and if you stack... You know, if you get if you hit a certain threshold or requirement, you get to do some some crazy bananas ass bullshit. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where a lot of the the fun of recom came from. And I know a lot of people who speedrun the game and will put the no, I wouldn't say put it on a pedestal, but you know, say I do like calm. It does come from that aspect, and that's kind of where you you put all your eggs into that basket, and you get mm-hmm. to have fun from there. And uh, yeah, that's uh, that's way more than. Uh, Chain of Memories Reserves to be talked about. Yes, so, absolutely. Onto the best game in the franchise is still currently my opinion. That could change because we're about to play through all the Kingdom Hearts games. And you know, some things are better, some things are worse. We're going to find out at the end of the day. But at the end of the day, too, Kingdom Hearts 2. 
it's a best, good game. Best game in the series. Absolutely Woo! agree. I think part of it is nostalgia-based going back to 2, but I think 2 is just pretty fluid. Uh, it's funny, because obviously playing through the first three games, we we point out things we didn't notice, because a lot of these games we played through heavily when we were children, uh, and the things that we kind of pick and tug and pull at. I feel like KH2 had the most nitpicks, but again, they are purely nitpicks at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, they added a lot to it, and so there's bound to be some contention with what they added, what they didn't, what they could have improved on, balance issues, stuff like that. Um, yeah. Where th there, it gets to a point where I'm sure you can make a build that is just absolutely broken um, with the right abilities and like menu management. But I think that's where I had some of the most fun in a Kingdom Hearts game was Kingdom Hearts 2's menu management. It, out of any of the game where you're trying to make a build and like what works best rather than just seeing big number go up when mm -hmm. at, equipping a Keyblade, there was a lot more going into it for Kingdom Hearts 2 where I really yeah. liked balancing the wide array of accessories, abilities, Keyblades, everything that went into it. You can really focus on, oh, I want to be very heavy on magic. I want to be really heavy on defense or attack and this and that. Um, and that's where I had a lot of fun exploring that. Mm. Even more so in Final Mix, where they added even more abilities and even more like stuff to do, like the Cave yes. of Remembrance. I That was one of Ooh. the best parts of playing Final Mix. And that I didn't play until probably, what, 2014, 2015, when that 1.2.5 oh, came, came out. Yeah. yeah. Um, so like the, seeing the Cave of Remembrance for the first time and putting every single ability to good use I was like, they knew what they were doing when adding all these abilities, where I think that's where, with the original game, I think there might have been more room to say, well, why is this in the game? This doesn't make any sense. Or, oh, I'm not going to use this ability as much. It doesn't really vibe with me. Uh, with the Cave of Remembrance, at least that's just one example. You're making sure that you see that everything that was added to that game was intentional and put to good mm -hmm. use, and you see the benefit of that. And so that made me appreciate a few things more the point where i finished that kind of boss rush or those rooms i went back to the main game and started equipping abilities i would have never used normally mm -hmm. good game the uh, the game this game do be good let's let's be real uh but yeah i uh <sighs> i mean there's a lot to talk about final mix plus and we kind of talked about it recently so I won't focus too much, but mm -hmm. I think two is where Keyblades really, really, really mattered, and they sort of kind of got up to speed. Well, got to their current era of Keyblade design philosophically, philosophy when it comes to design, but also gameplay wise. Like mm -hmm. now, Keyblades like before, uh, Keyblades were just strength and magic. Now they're strength, magic, and an ability at least. So each one, it, the, I think. A keyblade can be can be made, but also broken by what its stats and its you know equipability are nowadays. Uh, going through going through the the data fights uh, was a very interesting time. But yeah. keyblades that you never would have imagined doing anything with kind of got their time to shine. I remember, I was at a level. I was I think I was maxed out by the time I did the data fights. But I played. I fought Axel, and. A lot of people will use uh, the Little Mermaid Keyblade, uh, Mysterious Abyss, mm -hmm. in that fight because Axel is weak to a blizzard in the water. And that's one way to just exploit the hell out of that fight. Or you could, like I did, just play it pretty naturally, stack fire resistance as seen fit, and go to town and try to figure it out, you know, a different way. Um, 
but I do like the fact that there are now multiple ways to uh, attack a boss. Um, some some cheesier than others. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, in calm and in, in two, Kevin, uh, I hammered down a lot of like, here is the cheese of this fight because some of the fights can be egregious. I remember the Syax one, uh, both the regular and the data fight, you can just, after he comes out of berserk mode the first time, you can just kind of throw him into the corner and manipulate the game in a way to where you just get to hit him. Yes. Yep. <laughs> that fight becomes entirely redundant. Um, so I, I kind of do appreciate intentional and unintentional what you can do when it comes to combat in two. And obviously two kind of set the standard for going forward. And it's funny because I, I think of two is like this, it, it accelerated the combat so much and, and the gameplay. Mm-hmm. And then we kind of, thinking of BBS and then going to DDD and then three being the culmination of, you know, all the titles movement up until now. Like I'm thinking of shot locks and flow motion. Yeah, absolutely. How it all kind of came together. And it's, no, it's just, it's really interesting to like, I'm processing all that right now, but yeah, it's a, it, it came a long, a really long way. I could um, definitely tell at least with those, uh, most of the boss fights, but including those, data battles specifically i found myself without using any guides obviously um because i'm not a dirty cheater i would (gasps) die in one of the battles and then go back to my menu and change one thing and then die again to change one thing and it was all about minor tweaks and just continuous tweaks with that until i found something that worked perfectly it could be as simple as switching out a potion for an ether if i ran out of magic too quickly or health too quickly but a lot of that could have been well this keyblade ability really didn't work oh but this keyblade ability stunned them much quicker and so really just trying to find each weakness like that and if you're cheesing it you're cheesing it because at that point you're just trying to win but you're really doing it to see what the best combination was and i thought that was so great that there was so much freedom there and so much um they were it was so expanded on how all the abilities were so different that you can change everything to really find what worked perfectly yeah i i think i had it's attached to the hades keyblade the fatal crest you get it i think for doing the regular cups mm-hmm. in kh2 uh berserk charge uh during my normal playthrough of kh2 in the past i've never really used that keyblade and the ability but doing a lot of the end game stuff for final mix plus i i was sad because i chose i think the shield at the start of the game or like the 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 struggle bats determine what stat you get a boost in, and then I think when Rox does his, does his dive to the heart, you then determine what your ability layout is going to be. And I chose the shield because shield life, and I don't know in my yep. adult life I've just chosen shield, and unfortunately I didn't get berserk charge until like eighty five. Oh no! But like that matters a lot for doing some of the boss fights, some of the Mushroom 13 fights, which we banged our head against the wall trying to do. Yeah. Uh, I At some point, I, I tried to do a bunch of them. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to grind to 85, get the ability I need, and then kind of go from there. Because I tried other ways, and some were successful, and some weren't successful enough for... I, I specifically remember the Mushroom 13 uh, minigames, because technically they are minigames. Um, but yeah, it's a, there's multiple ways to approach it, but they're... There are some ways that just like you should just 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 go just just, just do this. This this will make your life a million times easier. So right, yeah, just 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 use that. Yeah, mechanically, it's just 
they added a lot that was really good to it and that's why it's my favorite just because of that like yeah. exploring all your options on top of just like the story is so good like yes. if we, can we focus on the story for a second because that is just oh, ho, ho, going ho. through all the worlds and then going through them a second time and having them be completely different like there was so much about kingdom hearts 2 that just felt good and we focused a lot on the mechanics a lot of the story was so pivotal something that we didn't really find until like as pivotal until kingdom hearts 3 it really is like it deserves its spot as a numbered title because of how much it got right and how in-depth it was mm, yep i feel like two i mean two at the end of the day raised the stakes because there was uh there was orientation 13 plotting and pulling strings from behind whereas in one it is very much i wouldn't say the childhood adventure movie but it is just i want to find my friends and also maybe the 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 <laughs> and maybe michael j mouse along the way whereas two is like there is there is uh you know this you know tense deep overarching a uh, plot whereas mm-hmm. like ansem i mean I, ansem appears on destiny islands the world's are this world has been connected but mm-hmm. then pops up towards the end of hollow bastion when he's like riku give me that sexy body yeah. <laughs> oh no <laughs> oh god yeah, I don't. I don't think I realized until like the past few years that Ansem, bag Ansem, when he's just a, a soul, yeah, um, he takes over Riku's body, and that's how he gets his hot Billy Zane, Seeker of Darkness body. And I was like, how? And mind you, Cage is full of a little minor inconsistencies, and that was one of like, huh? You you stole this kid's body, but his body still exists. But now you look hot. Okay. Right. <laughs> And, like, the second uh, Riku takes off his blindfold, he turns into someone completely different. I know exactly. it's part of the darkness. I know that there is lore behind it. And when I you play it, it makes complete sense. But, <sighs> yeah, he, he turns real hot. And he only Woo! needed an adolescent boy to do it. Exactly. And I'm thinking of... <laughs> I'm thinking back to... Because, obviously, we played... Kevin, I played two recently, and when Ansem, the wise is a heart encoder, just goes kablooey, Riku is magically transformed from his Ansem version back into, you know, regular Riku body, which is like, how does, how does happen? That, uh, that makes sense? Yep. I don't uh, think so. <laughs> well, one answer, uh, lore. Yes. The lore, <laughs> it's there. Like, there's, there are reasons, and, yeah. uh, stop asking why. Aww. That, that's I, what the I, game is telling us not basically me. yeah yeah uh but yeah two two are like some of my favorite points in the series three yes i think my head three has i know people are pretty lukewarm on three i really enjoyed three and it'll be interesting going back to three mm-hmm. i'm also having the internal debate of do i replay three before we have to play three again <laughs> oh because yeah. i kind of want to and I, I i consulted a friend about the remind dlc and he said Hey, you, because uh, I knew it added scenes and added extra things sprinkled out, but they're accessible from a separate menu. It's not like you, it's not like playing f- like Cage One Final Mix and Cage uh, regular International Cage One. You're gonna get the same experience, but Remind is like, oh, here's a separate section for these alternative and additive cutscenes and so on and so forth. It was very uh, interesting how they did that, where you basically import your save. And it turns into a, its own standalone thing, like you said. Yeah. And so then once you complete the story, it then again turns into a bit of a standalone thing where you only do the data <laughs> battles. And that's okay. it. 
Um, and so you do need to have a few save files there, at least two from your main game and then for the DLC, which is very interesting. And once you power up your DLC file, unless I'm incorrect and I'd love for the purists to tell me I'm wrong, you yes. can't take your levels from the DLC file back into the main story. So if, so if you beat the story at level 70, you level up to level 80 from the uh, DLC. You are not level 80 in the main game and you can't okay. bring those levels back over. And so I actually had, I had to play the Remind DLC twice because I started leveling up my main file trying to go for the platinum. And then uh, I was 25 levels lower on my DLC file. So I had to rush through Remind again just to get to the data battle. So I was on the same page so I wouldn't have okay. to grind again. And that was the faster way of doing it, and so it was very interesting. interesting. Yeah. Okay, I'll definitely keep that in mind going through re like when we when we hit three and I have to go through remind. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I I figured it would be a beat baits base game cage three, then go to remind, and also remind being a final mix but not a final mix is something uh, I hope we hope we get to touch on in in the future. Um, but to, but to come back to cage two, I mean yes. to come back to cage two, cage two good. I don't know what else we we can and wants to say about it. It's, I feel uh, bad it's, that it's, we it's spent three times as long on Chain of Memories <laughs> just shitting on it. Memories? Yeah. <laughs> and, like, trying to give it its props, but really just shitting on Chain of Memories. And then, yeah. like, Kingdom Hearts 2, the beacon of the series, the pillar of what it should be. And we're like, game fun. Game good. Um, we already know this game good. We we already yeah. told you. Uh, I do think that we sprinkled so much praise from Kingdom Hearts 1 and 2 throughout the episode already. And especially speaking about Chain of Memories, we're like, Chain of Memories is good, but 1 did this better. Chain of Memories is good, but Kingdom Hearts 2 did this better. And okay. so uh, I think it got plenty of praise where we can talk about Kingdom Hearts 2 for hours. But I think <sighs> um, we spent more time shitting on Chain of Memories <laughs> than praising Kingdom Hearts 2, which feels wrong but I think we can all agree that it is just like it did almost everything right. I I I I can I can totally agree with that. I will take any form of possible validation and I will run with it. Let's so go. I I will take it. And so yeah, that, that kind of, that's kind of our recap from like the the story or the literally the story so far. Mm -hmm. Um. So for anybody who is actually playing along, you have not played anything beyond two. Here's your warning that we're going to talk about things that happen after two. Spoilies. Because, because we can. Because this isn't really part of the main show. When it's an episode to be like, yo, 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 yo I like these people. I'm going to listen to their crap. You have been warned. Woo. So it's very interesting going forward from here. Because oh, everyone dies in every <laughs> single game. That is insane. I I can't. I can't believe Sora is just all of the organization members fused together. <laughs> it's crazy. It's horrifying. Oh, it's like an yeah. R-rated movie. Gross. <laughs> arms and legs everywhere. Uh, I got thirteen arms and thirteen <laughs> legs and maybe thirteen penises. We'll come back to that later. Oh. Uh, but uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's funny because we're gonna skip around a bit going forward because. We play three, five, eight, over two days mm -hmm. on on, a, and I I have all of, uh, I actually it's funny because as of two years ago I now owned a PSP, but I didn't have a PSP as a child, so I did not play Birth of Birth by Sleep until two point five came out for the PS three. Yeah, um, but I I'm I'm playing everything like OG. I know Kevin's been looking into. Uh, debating emulation versus buying like an actual copy because. I think we've talked talked about. I think you and I have definitely talked about, just in our personal lives, is buying uh, retro games in this day and age uh, is yep. accessible and like the market is there. Mm -hmm. But the money, like especially when it comes to Nintendo, because most of these 
handhelds are going to be Nintendo items, don't really drop in price too much. And because they are rarer now, yeah. uh, they are just money, money, money. Not egregious money, but still uh, an investment nonetheless. Like, um, praise be to the gods that allowed uh, Mario Strikers Battle League to become a thing big but i was huge. looking at uh, i was looking at strikers charge it's around a hundred dollars and i don't think that's outside the realm of my personal possibility of buying but i'm still like it's a hundred dollar game <laughs> for a soccer buy. game yeah for, um, for mario soccer it so. is always morally correct to emulate nintendo games you heard correct. it here Woo! the podcast officially confirms that emulation is okay stealing well, from big companies kinda. is barely even stealing <laughs> uh no yeah God. so it's it's tough and like i know that we talked years ago especially like when 1.5 and 2.5 came out because we've been friends for almost 10 years now like nine or oh. ten years which is crazy and i thought about that <sighs> a couple of days ago just kind of like Jeez. thinking back on like who i met in college so we've been friends for almost a decade now so we've always kind of shared this kingdom hearts love and so i remember us talking about when 2.5 came out and when the uh -huh. ps4 ports came out which we'll go into in a little bit but yeah, yeah that was the really the best way to play those when you didn't have a psp or a ds or a 3ds and that was such big news then and so it was really tough because the next point would have been to either dish out 100 150 dollars for a copy of a game that you that may not be worth 150 dollars yes. or waving your pirate flag and mm. that can be kind of sketchy and not a lot of people are comfortable with that yeah yeah it's, and it's interesting but uh, like having these compilations and these collections coming out helped everybody and especially oh releasing God. it on ps3 and then ps4 um Hell yeah yeah it it worked really well and i'm really glad that they did that yeah it, 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 it's been just wonderful because uh to, to flash back uh uh, you know, 358 is a DS game. Birth by Sleep is a PSP game. Recoded is a DS game. DDD is a 3DS game. And then after that, we get more consistent. It sticks to the mainline consoles, because what after that was uh, 0 0.2 Birth by Sleep, which is a tech demo, really, for KH3. And then around that time, we we got all of our big our big boy chunky wungy bundles that we now <laughs> know and love because so we've you know the entire time we've talked about 1.5 and 2.5 it was funny because i played i went through 2.5 after having it for a while like i went through um bbs and finally get around to two final mix maybe like in 2018 like not it doesn't feel like that long ago i was like you know what I'm going to finally play Birth by Sleep, and I'm going to play 2 all over again as well. But, you know, 2 with its additives at the yeah. end of the day. And being like, oh my, I'm never going to ne not play this game. And I have not touched my PS3 in several years for several reasons. I say that as the Wii U is still plugged in. And that tells you, <laughs> that tells you something about me. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad um, that they really kind of moved the collections forward to the more modern consoles. And I wouldn't be surprised if we get a PS5 remaster, um, even God. if it's just a frame rate increase, just port it over. I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't buy it. Maybe I'd get a free upgrade, but just make it accessible. It's all about just like having that accessibility there. As long as it's not cloud gaming. Let's <sighs> avoid that. I literally have a note at the end of the, you know, I, I listed all the package bundles and it says at the end, please don't buy Kingdom Hearts Integral Masterpiece for Cloud for the Nintendo Switch. Do Unless not do it. Unless you have no other way to play this game and you have quite the stable internet connection. 
Um, I feel like we, you and I have bitched and complained about cloud gaming for for a while. For like yes. the, like the two the last two years that it has started to try and become very pre- prevalent. Like I mm-hmm. think of this. I think of um, when uh, Resident Evil Seven came to Switch. It was the cloud version. Um, Stadia is all cloud based. And to be fair, and you can correct me, P- uh, PS Now is PS Now originally. Eh, I guess it was always cloud cloud based gaming. Um, but now yep. it's a s- subscription service. And by now, I mean like it's been one for a while, but it started off as a pay as you go sub service. Like I bought, I remember I like I was, I think I was in between homes and I wanted to play Sonic Generations. I didn't have my disc of Sonic Generations. So I just bought, rented Sonic Generations on mm-hmm. PS Now for like three bucks for two days. And I was like, this is cool. And then it's like, now you have to subscribe like a year or two later. And I was like, hell no yeah that was a weird model and yeah you could buy them or rent them i think there may have been a few games where if you had the disc you can insert it and then like it would take your word for it that you owned it and you could like uh, like do it whenever or rent it whenever yeah, something like it was, that it was, it was really weird it, was, it had a very odd launch it did not last long and then it turned into the subscription service that it is now but it's still yeah like cloud-based where you stream games like you would stream a netflix show you don't have the netflix show downloaded you just have it coming from the servers themselves and if your internet even blips a little bit say goodbye to your save file and so but uh they are adding quite a bit on playstation now of downloading the games for certain ones i'm pretty sure like last of us 2 infamous 2 um dark cloud they have a bunch of those ps2 ps3 ps4 games on playstation now um a select few of them you can download to your console as long as you have a ps now subscription and so um that is the only time where like it it works pretty well but if you don't believe us that it is just abysmal on switch there's a free demo that you can play of the cloud version of any of those versions of 1.5 2.5 or kingdom hearts 3 I tried the demo, the cloud demo of Kingdom Hearts 3, and Mm -hmm. it looks awful. It, the input delay is what I thought would be the biggest problem, and it wasn't. It is just the actual quality. It looks cloudy. It looks blurry. It looks like you are, like, the how old YouTube videos used to be someone holding their phone up to their TV screen, (laughs) and that's how they would show, like, clips of other stuff that they wanted to show without actually directly uploading it. It looks like that. So if you don't believe us, try it for free, and then come back to us and tell us we were right. Please. Yeah. I love hearing it. Um, Yeah. It'll be... Marshall, I'm upset with you. Why? Um, There is one game that we haven't talked about and you have no not mentioned you have no plans on releasing an episode on and i think it is a crime that you have like declined to at least acknowledge kingdom hearts vcast what <laughs> what has kingdom hearts vcast done to you <laughs> i demand I, answers <laughs> where's my remaster of kingdom hearts vcast Phoenix? <laughs> All I know is the title. I know nothing actually about Kingdom Hearts VCast. <laughs> At the end of the day, all I know is it was it's a Verizon thing. That's what the VCast is. Yep. But that's that's all I know. I know absolutely nothing else about Kingdom Hearts VCast. <laughs> yeah, um, it has no ties back to the original game. Mm-hmm. It is so isolated 
to the point where it wouldn't make sense if it was included in the story so far collection it has nothing to do no story elements with anything that was previously released you are just sora donald and goofy running around doing battles of no importance okay and you look awful because it was on a verizon phone in 2004 oh boy i'm getting i'm getting vita flashbacks damn because and, and i think i've told this before but i bought a vita thinking i could play psp games on it because i wanted to play breath by sleep unfortunately Some of them. i could yeah. not oh. um but i i got my i got my my vita money i also got it like at a discount so but whenever I, whenever I think of broadband gaming i think of the vita vita ahead of its time for yeah. better and for worse of you could just put a sim card in this thing and play online where like wherever you got cell service and, and or data i should say you could play with the vita and I, that was such an interesting model powered I by at and yeah that was a big oh. name to have tied to it to have yeah. an at and service on a vita like that mm. all right now now I'm, now I'm thinking way too deep in the <laughs> rabbit hole i'm gonna i'm gonna stop myself all right uh god but uh but yeah it's uh i i think it's it's a it's a good place to be a kingdom hearts fan now because you can pick up a console and probably be able to play kingdom hearts on that console because what uh ps4 and can the the ps there so there are ps5 versions of games and we're going to default to ps5s because ps5s are the golden boy and by that i mean it's hard to come across one so they're basically leprechauns and mm-hmm. leprechauns are kind of cool sometimes so we're going to call this the leprechaun of i like it yeah uh i think you, you can play ps4 titles on ps5s but there are some like you mentioned that have the free upgrade like i know if you buy verizon uh forbidden west you get the, you unlock the digital ps5 version just because you own it do you just say uh, verizon forbidden west <laughs> if i did i hate myself <laughs> maybe it's just on my mind and i heard it but <laughs> <laughs> yeah verizon vcast forbidden west um so yeah uh you are right where there are select games that the developers will make a ps5 upgrade for uh borderlands 2 or borderlands 3 horizon 2 um uh cyberpunk just got a, a ps5 upgrade and i have yes. a ps5 and so you can play i think every ps4 game but like 10 of them okay. and they're all like no-name games uh, like hitman go for whatever reason you can't play on a ps5 uh, it's a PS4 yes. game that you just can't play. So the, that list is very limited. Everything else, it is basically a PS4 plus PS5 co- combined. And then there are certain upgrades for games like that. Kingdom Hearts mm. does not have an upgrade yet. And that's where I brought that up earlier, where I would think I would like to see one just with fancier graphics. But again, if it's come from PS2 to PS3 to PS4 to PS5, I don't know how much more they're going to be able to do with these graphics. But the yeah. jump to from PS3 to PS4 and adding a 60 frames per second frame rate actually made a huge difference so if they can do that i think they may be able to shine it up a little bit more but yeah i think if we can like at this point you can pick up literally any console xbox one ps4 ps5 switch pc you can play every single kingdom hearts game now which is vastly different than it was 15 years ago so it is a good time to be a kingdom hearts fan or become one exactly you can you too can dive into the world of oh my god where's all my free time gone i'm staring at a boy wielding a giant key sword yeah you lose all of your time the weirdness of that fades off pretty quickly um you you get used to it yeah yeah yeah. it's it's very funny because people riff on the keyblade and i have been 
swinging a keyblade for the past 20 years at this mm-hmm. point almost. Uh, that, that's an unintentional segue into the future because the 20th anniversary event is coming out in April. And I don't, I don't know. It, it doesn't it, it doesn't seem obtuse at in the slightest. And I'm not sure if that's adjusting to playing Kingdom Hearts or where media has gone in the past mm-hmm. 20 years. That key sword doesn't seem like... It, there's not an eyebrow raise when you say that. <laughs> no, after 20 years, it's iconic at this point. You think of Sora, you think of the Keyblade. It's not weird anymore. It just is a part of him. And so especially when he was announced for Smash Brothers uh, and, and yep. everyone saw the Keyblade, it's, no Ooh. one was like, oh, that looks weird. I was crying real man tears when that happened. Like, yes. that was a beautiful moment. And so, yeah, there... At this point, it's just a matter of seeing what the future has now. And so now that some of the mobile titles are kind of shuddering, like Dark Road is gone, Union Cross is gone. Um, RP, but uh, yeah. I, Dark Road, I didn't realize it hasn't had its final update, at least. I'm not sure if it was being like updated internationally. I played the first two years of Union. Uh, I, can, I played when it became Union Cross, which mm-hmm. is like a title update. Nothing really changed too much. But then I then I, I petered off. But apparently I've played around half of the story that is since Union Cross has seen its completion now mm-hmm. as, as a piece of media. And I downloaded it on my phone, so you can go back and there's like a theater mode basically. So I can so when we eventually get when we eventually get to Union Cross, they're like I can I, you know I kind of want to be able to watch it and like I not just like watch like this fifteen hour YouTube video with someone else's character and like what's going on. Right. I, like I would prefer to have my own character and also have it at my fingertips so I can mess with things and do, you know, I have I still have that customization element. Uh, yeah. At my fingertips. So with um, that, yeah. So we were talking about the newfounded accessibility with all of the games being in one spot or on every single console. Those are the only exceptions. Are the mobile games which have now been sunset but like you said they have the theater modes and so i kept up with union cross as it was union cross i never played the previous iteration of it but i logged in every here and there and just anytime they added an update where they would maybe add 10 or 15 story missions i would do that maybe get a couple new cards or characters and then dark road i thought i saw on twitter we're recording this in early March. I thought I saw that there was supposed to be another Dark Road update, even though the game aspect of it was shut down months ago. It sounded okay. like there was supposed to be more story updates, or at least one final one for Dark Road that was delayed and still hasn't come out yet. Okay, and so that's then that's what I'm thinking of. Okay. Yes. Know, so know. Union Cross has been done for a little bit, that story, and then they added yeah. Dark Road, which was two games in one app on your phone so now they are both theater modes and it sounds like they were going to add one final bit before the 20th anniversary update which is coming soon so we at least have that to look out for maybe it could get an announcement slash a a very nintendo-esque like available later today yeah Um, probably yeah it'll be it'll be interesting because towards the end of because kevin and i said hey we're gonna take a break um and come back around the anniversary we looked at the anniversary event it's not going to be live streamed anywhere but the video of everything that's happening will be available at a later date, which also made us very nervous because a later date could be the next day. It could be a month after it finishes. So that's why our, you know, our return to normal form is kind of very, actually very up in the air right now. So mm-hmm. we'll see how that happens. But, uh, but speaking of the 20th anniversary and kind of going forward from here, is there anything we want to see going forward now that the Dark Seeker Saga has 
wrapped up. And I don't, don't know about you, but personally, I haven't done Remind and I haven't played Melody of Memory yet. So I kind of know what happens in those titles, but I have not experienced them. And I'm one of those people who I think, you know, you, want, you need to watch a movie to really understand what it's all about. You have to play a game to understand or read a book to understand what it's all about at the end of the day. But luckily, in the age of YouTube, you can... You know, somebody's recorded their gameplay or are doing a let's play, so you can kind of experience those. But I haven't actively experienced, you know, that title and a half, basically. So mm -hmm. I'm curious where Kingdom Hearts will go forward, and I'm sure we'll get more things at the 20th anniversary. But uh, I'll uh, I'll throw the question to you: Is there anything you want to, like, is there anything you could feasibly see happening, or things like what's your pie in the sky concept? And like, you know, I'm casting a wide net, so kind of go crazy. Or, yeah. You know, yeah, absolutely. Well, um, I will be wary of spoilers, especially with Remind. I have not played Melody of Memory. Um, rhythm games are typically not for me like that, but I am interested in the fact that there are story elements to this. So uh, with that, I definitely see it going in the direction of more of the history of Kingdom Hearts in the sense of what Union Cross added with the ancestors, with the people from hundreds of years ago, how, whatever the timeline is, those people yeah. coming back um, and really having that impact on the current world, that is exactly what they're setting up for. Oh, the and foretellers, man. Yeah, and so I'm very interested to see that now that the Xehanort saga is kind of done. But with yeah. Remind, it was very interesting how it was broken up. Again, you definitely experience it. Um, the first third of it is a bit of a retelling of the final portion of Kingdom Hearts 3. The yes, second portion is very new. So the second third of that is all new content. And then the third portion is all the data battles. And that is pretty evenly how you're going to split your time into thirds like that. And so with that, that was very interesting where the second part the second third of the remind dlc really starts opening up some questions it sounds like melody of memory opens that up even more but again i have not played that i can't speak too much to it and just going off of the way remind ended and the way kingdom hearts 3 ended i can definitely see a lot of room for telling that history and having these new characters come in and for a lot of players if it was the same thing going into kingdom hearts 2 and you didn't play chain of memories because it wasn't accessible you're like what is going on here that exact same situation is going to happen if you didn't play Union Cross. There's going to be a whole lot of characters that was supposed to be a big <laughs> moment in Kingdom Hearts 3 that you're like, who who is this? I have no idea. Uh, and it's a, it, oh God, I, I can't help but relate this earlier when we talked about uh, who, uh, starting KH2 would be like, who's this Roxas kid? Like, what, yeah. what the hell's going on? Yep. Um, <laughs> at least it's the end of 3 at the, at the, very, at the very least. And if you have not watched uh, back cover, just at least watch back cover. You don't need to know the intricacies of the foretellers, but just understand their the part that they have played, and that that, that kind of does I wouldn't say resolves itself, but it, it it's a, it's a much easier transition, I think. It is very interesting when it's a condensed format like that, like back cover, so you can just get a brief idea, kind of like the movies from Three Five Eight Days Over Two or yeah. Recoded, less so, but like just like getting a brief like movie like that or a brief rundown it's really interesting and it gave me a better appreciation for it as i went into kingdom hearts 3 so then when i had those moments even if i wasn't as invested in the mobile games it did mean something where i'm like oh okay this is starting to connect now and That's, so mm -hmm. yeah, yeah i think if they are going to do anything for the 20th anniversary i wouldn't be surprised if they make another 2.8 kind of game or like the i'm sorry the 0 0.2 the aqua game 
Um, yes. Like if they a fragmentary person. Yes, that one. Uh, if they would make another sort of demo like that, kind of showing a maybe a three four hour game of where the series is gonna go, I'd be completely fine with that. Um, they'll probably charge eighty dollars for it and then tack on a movie on top of it. But um, take my money. I think just uh, g- give us some update. It's been over three years since Kingdom Hearts 3. Yeah. I know Melody of Memory has been the only thing since then. Uh, but at that point, if we're at an anniversary event, I think that we can probably expect a playable, a new playable Kingdom Hearts something fairly soon. Yeah, I would say, I think this year, I don't think this year is too ambitious, but I think this year or maybe next year is something something feasibly i think they have to announce something that's going to come out soon to i mean luckily sora and smash kind of was in itself a, a, a little bit of a layover we got a little bit of like <gasps> kingdom hearts yeah again mm-hmm. um and i would say in popular culture um so i'll be very happy very interested to see if mm-hmm. basically what the next release is going to be uh but you're bringing up like a 2.8-esque compilation i would actually not be opposed to that I think something like that could actually be pretty beneficial in if they want to lay over things until, like, if the next thing is going to be Kingdom Hearts 4 or an equivalent of KH4, basically. Give us, give us, a, give us a snack before the meals. You know, right. an appetizer to hold me over until, uh, you know, your passion project essentially hits the floor running. For any other series, I feel like that wouldn't fly as much, but because it's Kingdom Hearts and because that is the history that they have made over the past 20 years of, hey, like, the numbered games are going to be very, very special, very, very rare. I would not expect Kingdom Hearts 4 for a long time, um, but the way, uh, but I think, give us the the demo, quote unquote, like, give us these smaller side games, which everyone was like, oh, the side games aren't important. They are very important. Like, they were just so inaccessible previously like if birth by sleep was just on the psp or this was Mm. just on the ds and that's why people were like oh i'm not gonna buy a console just for a side game no no like these side games are very much their own important things to the point where you could view kingdom hearts 3 as kingdom hearts 9 you know they're like it is a big deal and so give us another one of those because there's a whole lot of world that they need to explore and so with me saying that, I think the direction is really going to go with those previous characters, like the foretellers and the five heroes in that regard. Where do you see the series going? So same question to you. I know that you Ooh. haven't played Remind or anything like that. So that's kind of yeah. my vision. What do you think is going to happen based on what you already know? I think, and my opinion, I kind of I kind of had absolutely no concrete idea. And I, I it's funny because I posed that question to you and I knew... I you know my opinion would kind of sprout out, and mm-hmm. I was like I actually have you know two hours ago before we started recording I was like I actually have no answer to this question so I'm gonna wing it or I'll just say like I don't think I have an idea but I think the past two hours have helped inform some sort of an idea because I I I know I have a somewhat of a memory of what's happening at the end of Remind and the end of Melody of Memory uh, from what I understand Mel- Melody is kind of like kind of like a calm where the ending you know the intent you know. Uh, or more like a two like there's story at the beginning there's the meat and potatoes of the game the ending matters yeah uh, in, in terms of what it does for this for the franchise and in the series the franchise as a whole and i think there are cage three and those and remind and melody have dropped so many threads that you could get another again chunk you know side game spinoff whatever you want to call it and 
have that still be a big meaty piece of what's going forward uh and like you said so, oh the side games don't matter i think calm is the only side game and if i had to pick a second a runner-up unfortunately coded yeah is, are those two but bbs matters 358 tells you all of the roxas story and you even though it just rocks this Axel Shion, the story, Who? you get to see the interplay between all the organization members, and yep. I think that I think that's really cool. You know, DDD. I love DDD when it came out because it pushed. It finally pushed the story forward. Like all of these smaller titles have actually really, really meant a lot. So mm-hmm. you probably shouldn't dismiss them. So I think another one of those actually would kind of help. Like, would it be? Uh, a, but and here and here's my thought. I'll pose to you and the audience who, you know, if you want to contact us, khbhpodcast at gmail.com. Um, we have the Wayfinder trio back. What are they going to do? Are they going to become side characters? Will they become plot relevant? Same thing with, I'll call them the, the Twilight Town trio, kind of, because mm-hmm. uh, Isa is now back to being a normal human boy. But, you know lee axel whatever you prefer i'll still say lee to the end of the end of time even though in university he's like i guess people could call me axel's like no you have a name damn it use yeah. it yeah use the proper one <laughs> but but now when i get Shion and roxas and also to tackle a nominee onto that are all people will they become side characters will we get a kingdom hearts game where we get to play as multiple characters concurrently because right. like three three kind of dipped its toes into that like the end of a world you would transition to playing as riku and king mickey in the dark world and things like that so i wouldn't mind a title where we bounce around from perspective to perspective and you know it culminates in uh, a concisive plot because and spoilers for the next 10 seconds for those who haven't played three and onward sora is dead but not really dead so how are we going to get sora back i think the 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 <laughs> Uh, Kingdom Hearts, not, not, not really Cage 4, but uh, the quest for Sora mm-hmm. is going to be an interesting arc in itself. I don't think it's going to be at the next Dark Seeker saga, but I think, and I also think it's an interesting narrative that we spent some of the spinoff games, some of the non-numbered titles, saying, oh, we need several Guardians of Light. Well, where are these three that existed? Eon, not, e- not even eons ago, because BBS took place 10 years before. Right. Cage 1 took off. Um, how are we going to find these characters and make them important all over again? Mm-hmm. And, you know, how that could be seen going forward. Um, I also and- just want more Terra, Aqua, and Ven because their perspective is an older perspective now. Even though they are literally the, the same individuals, they haven't aged, oh my gosh, type of deal. Yep. I think that if there's a lot of mature elements that they could tackle because they have gone through a lot of trauma. And especially yes. with how the state of where Sora is right now and the final, final boss um, from the end of the Remind DLC. Mm-hmm. With that, um, again, spoilers for the next 10 seconds, Yozora. Like, oh. uh, that is going to be crazy to see if it takes a bit of a more serious tone. But I also don't know how logical that is because Kingdom Hearts 3 didn't really focus on the Final Fantasy element as much. They really leaned oh. into the beginning disney 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 end and so uh it's going to be really interesting to see how they balance is this going to feel more like a final fantasy 15 game which has a kind of that feel at the end of the that final final boss or are they really just going to 
like how are they going to tackle so many stories and so many mature elements while keeping disney characters included and so that balance could go really well or really poorly now now my brain just i know we're we're literally towards the end of recording but now my brain's a flutter with like oh what the hell can we do next bring me back we'll talk about it again for another two hours (laughs) might have to oh yeah but a yeah, lot of I, room to go, like a lot of room to explore with this, and so hopefully we get some updates within the next few months. We can, we can hope we're gonna get something at the very least, and if not, it'll be like, retreading. Uh, yeah, yeah, it'll be retreading some some familiar ground um, for 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 those who are kind of listening concurrently. I don't think Kevin has played many of the spinoff games. I think he has not played. He hasn't played Recoded and uh, 3.5.8 at least. So I'm very interesting on what his take is going to be. And obviously you'll probably hear Kevin the next time we talk. Um, but I have played all of the games. Mm-hmm. And I, and I uh, for a while, I, I think I was the RPG nut of my group. We've adopted someone even more powerful than myself. And so every time, and uh, shout out to Gino, your friend Gino. Uh, every time I literally have a question about a JRPG, I go to him and i'm like <clears throat> this thing tell me history <laughs> like give me lore and also like some advice and he's he's this overwhelming cyclopedia of knowledge so i do appreciate you know to the fullest mm-hmm. i have i didn't realize that things in seven remake hard mode like the bosses had different new phases to hard mode and he's like yeah you're gonna have a fun time and i'm like oh boy um, but usually <clears throat> when he when i told him we were going to play Three five eight. He said, "Oh, are you going to one hundred percent it?" And I'm like, "Well, we try to aim for like a full completion or a full coverage, even if we can't maybe get through everything." And he's like, "Well, three five eight contains mission mode, which requires playing through every mission as a different organization member. So like all the missions, but Zigbar, all the missions, but Vexen." I'm like, "Oh, well, wow. we'll cross that bridge when we come to it." <laughs> <laughs> yeah you and kevin might just need to tag team that be like all right you take vexen you take larxene you take whoever you take the 500 on yeah. the left i'll take the 500 <laughs> on the right god yeah you have your hands full heading into this still a yeah. lot of game to cover Woo! it's gonna be a time i'm i'm starting to appreciate that this break was so i mean a little behind the scenes when Kevin proposes break, uh, it was it, it was kind of out of left field. But as I as I thought about it more, so initially like I didn't want to stop recording. He wanted to stop recording for a bit. You know this break. Understandable. Uh, I, yeah. Yeah, I wanted to do some side in, side content in between. He didn't, and literally we we talk about things as a, like a little partnership is, and we've come to or literally we've come to an agreeable middle ground between both things. So. I'm very happy that things happen to work out this way. Um, and I kind yeah. of lost my train of thoughts going into no, that. No, I, I think you wrapped that up well. You are kind of treating it not as like seasons, but like the format is very broken up and the games provide that structure. And so if you wrapped up Kingdom Hearts 2, that is a good point to recoup, get um, prepared for the next phase, the next group of games like that. No, I think yes. that totally makes sense. Yeah, I, I remember my point. It just it's it is a huge time sink. I yeah, it's funny because my life is my personal life is ramping up, so I don't have more more many much more time to play games. But the entire time playing Cage Two, I was like, oh, I want to play Spider Man for PS4. I want to play Horizon One. Want to brief 
play finish my replay of the last of us remastered and fall to vegas and i'm like hey kid you uh you gotta play some cage too <laughs> so uh, you got an uh, obligation a, a slave to my own machinations <laughs> but uh, you gotta follow through exactly i i i also as the note taker i like to be a little bit ahead of everything in case something happens and we try to record we try to maintain a consistency of being ahead of our recordings and our postings so when there is a hiccup, you, know, you, the listener, don't feel that hiccup. There is, for better and for worse, again, a lot that happens behind... There's a lot that happens that doesn't happen behind the scenes. But at the end of the day, uh, everything always works out. Uh, <laughs> it's funny because uh, Kevin's not part of this episode, so I'm going to go ahead and do the editing for this episode. And, you know, I always try to post things. I try to make sure all the audio fixing is done several days before the episode goes up. Because I've had times where... I'll wait until Thursday night because everything posts Friday morning, uh, 8 a.m. EST, and I'll have complications the night before, and I'll kick myself in the ass for being like, you had time three days ago, but what else did you do, you son of a bitch? <laughs> but uh, uh, enough of me complaining about my own... <laughs> enough of me complaining about me. That's I think that's 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 the meta-breaking moment where we, <laughs> where we stop the episode. Oh, no, I, I think it makes sense, but... Uh, no, this was a lot of fun. Uh, I have too much to say about Kingdom Hearts. And so mm. with this, this was really cool to take a deep dive into this and really kind of ponder what's next. And again, it sounds like for everybody, life, just there's so much to do. There's so many responsibilities. And if Kingdom Hearts is one of those responsibilities, that doesn't sound like too bad of a gig. I, w- I would I would, I would, hope not. No. That, that's, that's the dream. Yeah. That's all I could hold out to. Uh but, uh, but anyway, Skycrate, thank you so much for joining me on this, this first introductory episode of Blank Notes. Thank you for having me. This was so much fun. I was telling Marshall before that I was kind of nervous. I've never really done something like this before, so I had a blast doing this. So thank you for having me. Yeah, it's been a while since, was it Critical Strike? What the heck was... Uh... Uh, I don't know what, what you're talking what, about. What, 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 what are you trying to deny the existence or legit just being like, I have no clue what you're talking about, please. I, sir. when I was a, a wee baby content creator, I tried to do a podcast on Twitch called Preemptive Strike. It lasted there we go. four episodes and I realized <laughs> I had a very hectic work schedule. I didn't know what my format I really wanted to go for and it fell apart very quickly, but I was just purely a lot of being unprepared and not having a whole sense of direction. And so with that, it was just too much for me to handle at that time. But I've always had that itch to be a part of something like this, whether like starting my own podcast, being a guest on somebody else's. And so this was very cool to kind of see through. Well, Piantra Strike lives on in our hearts and also in our kingdom hearts as of today. Oh, so, so take that. I see what you did there. Uh-huh. And uh, but before we part ways, if you wanted to plug anything now you've been here for two hours that is your legal obligation i have to legally say (laughs) sir what are you working on and where can people find you at i won't go too crazy like some people would uh my name's nick but uh, you can find me at skyquake on twitch and youtube and at skyquake live on every other social media platform and so that is where you can find me but i am mostly primarily focused on streaming on twitch three days a week tuesdays thursdays and sundays and then casual youtube content from there so that is where you can find me yeah what's the squick lock coming out 
that's a good question. The first episode of my black and white or Pokemon black and white two randomized Nuzlocke is in development hell right now because I yeah. hate editing. And so that is like 90% done. That should be coming out to YouTube soon. So that should be a new series to look forward to. <laughs> That's good to know. And uh, speaking of socials, I should probably get this together before. I have the account, but there is absolutely nothing on it. But for those who are familiar with our normal plug, uh, if you want to reach out to Kevin and I, please send an email to khbhpodcast at gmail.com. Hopefully, and by hopefully I mean I will get my act together, but by the time I post this to the interwebs, KH, at KHBH Podcast will be an account you can yell at on Twitter.com. I just have to do photo. I just have to edit our design so it fits the Twitter profile picture good because it does not right now. Oh no. Yeah. Uh, I thought we had like older existing versions of our uh, our logo and we don't, so I have to mani- I have to do some manipulation mm-hmm. and we'll, we'll figure that out. But by the time this episode goes up. I will make sure it is somewhat respectable to look at. <laughs> I'll be one of the first follows. Woo! Woo! All right. Well, I think that's it. So, uh, as always, to the gummy ship and away! Bye Bye-bye! Here's the noise you hear as I try to end everything with.